sister I'm sure there's a man for to love her and miss her all right, let's kick off hour number two here in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios with some things you might have missed from the weekend. Sam, what do you got? Yeah, we got some news in football, obviously. Uh, Eagles have hired a new offensive coordinator. They go and get Kellen Moore. Interesting one here. Uh, you know, we I, I think we talked about Kellen Moore maybe on Friday about a guy that Seemingly is kind of ruined offenses everywhere he's been hired and, you know, kind of screws up his time in Dallas, goes to the Chargers. Justin Herbert regresses a little bit, and now he will be going to Philadelphia. What are your thoughts on this one? I don't know. It doesn't move the needle for me. No, I like the Cowboys-Eagles aspect of it, like the rivalry, and Kelmore was in Dallas for so long, and he's Jerry's, you know, Jerry loved him or whatever. But, yeah, I'll have to wait and see how he does with, with Hurts. Because so far I'm thinking Dak, not really much of a runner. Herbert, not really much of a runner. Both can run, but like that's not – the design runs not a part of their game like it is obviously with Jalen Hurts. So we'll see. We'll see. I didn't think Herbert got better this year with Kellen Moore. And Dak played his best brand of football without Kellen Moore this year. So Yeah, I, they're you know, headline-grabbing coordinator hires for the Eagles between him and Fangio. Yeah. Um, I, I would be interested to see or hear what happened with Kellen Moore and Harbaugh. Was this already far down the road before Harbaugh came in? Did Harbaugh come in and say, hey, man, we'll see what we can do, but you may want to be looking? I, it's just, I don't know. Harbaugh's going to do his own thing. Yeah. Harbaugh's going to do his own thing. Has he, had, has he announced his offensive coordinator? He brought the guy from Michigan, right? Is that right? I've heard he, yeah, wait, he, br- he brought the, the mentor kid. Yeah, yeah Sean, Sean Moore's the offense. He's the offense coordinator. Okay, so I know he brought the defense coordinator yeah. with him. I know maybe he'll bring David Shaw back, do a little uh, reunion there or whatever. That'd be interesting. But, yeah, I would imagine Jim Harbaugh did not care about Kellen Moore staying. Yeah. And probably told him he didn't have a spot. Yeah, I don't think so either. Next. Uh, in college hoops, number eight, Auburn, goes down for the second time in a row, losing to Mississippi State 64-58. to Uh you know, obviously, it's 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 tough to to win on the road just any time in college basketball, especially in the SEC. Uh, Mississippi State, a tough place to play, but this Auburn team, after losing a tough one uh, to Alabama, seventy nine seventy five on the road as well, they go back on the road on Saturday and drop one against Mississippi State. Yeah, we will talk, of course, Tennessee basketball, their win, the Dalton Connect show coming up. In the next segment, then we'll be joined by Ryan Schumpert. We'll talk more. I would imagine this will be all Tennessee hour. But it was a good weekend for them between beating Vanderbilt and their in-state rival and also having Auburn lose their second game of the week. That's really good for the SEC tournament race. Auburn falls to number nine in the net ranking. So they're still hanging around as a top ten team. Tennessee holding on at number three. Uh, Auburn now, of course, a game behind in the loss column. Tennessee tied right there with uh, Alabama. Actually, Alabama's gotten by half game. Well, yeah, yeah I was going to say tied yeah. in the loss column with Alabama. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Tennessee, of course, beat Alabama head-to-head, although that doesn't really matter when it comes to regular season championships. They don't do tiebreakers just, just for seeding purposes. I think it just reinforces, too. Uh, you know, Sam mentioned it. We've all talked about it. It's hard to win on the road, obviously, in, in any conference, it seems, this year. It's unbelievable. Um, but Mississippi State's a good team. You know, they're, they're, uh, they're proving that. 
uh, not not the easiest brand of basketball to watch, but they are it's they're tough and they're particularly tough in Starkville. And I'm glad to see Auburn kind of come back to the pack a little bit too. It's good. Well, it's it's not a great sign, I, I don't think, for your team. And I understand they've gotten off to a pretty good start, beat up on a bunch of no-name teams. They still don't have a quad one win. But, like, it, it was a little bit of a red flag for me whenever you're t- saying that your best lineup is your bench. <laughs> it's not really a – you know, that's not really a recipe for, like, long-term success because you don't play your bench closing minutes. You don't play them enough minutes. So like, it, whenever you tell me that your bench is the best lineup in the country and your best lineup by far, like, that's not necessarily a good thing. But just your point about winning on the road, this is a stat I heard at halftime of the Vanderbilt game. Top 10 teams playing on the road against unranked opponents were 18 and 27. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Crazy. Tennessee, of course, won, so it's at least 19 and 27. I don't know if anybody else had fit that by the end of that night. But, yeah, 18 and 27 at halftime of the game. I think that I'd seen the same. I thought the 27 didn't even count the Auburn loss, so it might even oh, it, be it, 28. Yeah, it, yeah, but either way, the I just point heard is say clear. It, yeah. yeah, I heard Dari Noka say it at halftime or whatever. Yeah, it's um, – it's tough. I mean, it is it is hard to do, and uh, more than ever. And it just kind of shows where the state of college basketball is. Some people love that. Some people are frustrated by it. But you also, if your team is one of those that's losing um, those kind of games, you're not alone. It's happening everywhere right now. Purdue was able to beat Rutgers on Sunday in that situation, and Arizona beat Oregon in that situation. So it probably ticked up a little bit between Tennessee and those two teams. But – it's been tough. It's been tough to win on the road. Sam, you got anything else? Uh, some more college hoops news uh, in Memphis. Penny Hardaway and that squad continue to slide. Uh, ever since Caleb Mills has gotten injured, they're 3-3, three and three, uh, a quad three loss to UAB this weekend. Uh, since that season-ending injury to Caleb Mills, uh, it's a Memphis team that's giving up 83 points a game. They allowed 97 to UAB on Saturday. So, uh, so Penny has an injury excuse? I guess, yeah. I mean, this is – Because I wasn't is, aware that they had – so Caleb Mills, was he one of their best players, I guess? Uh, not even one of their best. He's kind of like a – I would say he's one of their glue guy, like senior starters, kind of the a veteran protector, presence. Rim protectors, he do defensive guys, he a big guy. More of know. a guard now. I, okay, like I was going to say, I haven't yeah. watched. I just know that, like, they were due for a regression. They had been winning some close games and kind of, you know, playing with fire. And, of course, they've had their luck run out. I just didn't know if we were blaming an injury or just, you know, kind of regression. But, yeah, they've lost three in a row. And I would imagine going to find themselves on the wrong side of the bubble very quickly with, uh, you know, losing quad three games. Yeah, yeah. They're now down to number 59 in the net ranking. So, that's that's not in good position. They're going to have to lean hard on uh, 35-year-old Javon Quinterly to <laughs> pull them through. Um, I can't believe that dude's still playing. but uh, If you're preying on Memphis's downfall, the – the good news is, well, A, they've lost three in a row, but B, like, in that conference this year, you don't have a lot of good opportunities to kind of fix things. Like, once Houston left and Cincinnati left, like those were two of the, the better programs. So Memphis has been kind of left for dead as you look around that conference. I mean, you, you lose a UAB, like we said, that's a quad three loss, and your big answer is now you play Rice coming up, and... I'm going to guess that Rice isn't necessarily going to be a, a quad one win there as they're number 248. 
I mean, it's crazy to think that their their big get was get Florida Atlantic to join them, you know, which is good because they went to the Final Four. But I mean, if you were saying that a year or two ago, that wouldn't have sounded great. Yeah, and and Florida Atlantic hasn't really been holding up their end of the deal no. either lately. They've been struggling, but yeah, like that that conference is dead. So Memphis, Memphis is in shambles. If you're praying on your if you're praying on their downfall, it's working. Like, Anything else, Sam? Uh, you want the uh, opening more. Super Bowl line? I saw it, but the audience might want it. A little bit of a basically a pick 'em. Uh, the Niners opened up as a two point favorite over the Chiefs. Uh, kind of some some line movement in both directions ever since it's ever since it's come out. It's now sitting there at Chi- uh, Niners. Sorry, minus one and a half. Ah, okay. Money line is pretty much a pick 'em. It's minus one twenty for the Niners and and plus a hundred for the Chiefs. Because I saw yesterday it went up to two and a half pretty quickly. I guess mm-hmm. some early San Francisco money. And I was hoping it got to three because I think, I think I like the Chiefs in this game. But yeah, now it's like you said, the money line minus one eighteen to uh, plus one hundred even money for the Chiefs. So yeah, going to be basically a coin flip. And they played a classic game four years ago that was basically a coin flip. And I guess they're going to run it back. Bob, you leaning either way early on that game? <laughs> well, I was with uh, I was pro Baltimore this past weekend. So uh, and now I'm kind of of the mind How that. You know, bet against Patrick Mahomes in the yeah. playoffs. Yeah, that's and you're getting points. Four of them. Two weeks in a row, you've had a chance to get Mahomes plus money. I I think I'm I'm with the Chiefs. Can't believe I'm saying it, but uh, it's tough to bet against them right now. He's going to be an underdog. Yeah, in two games, you might as well just do it three. Right. And like you said, we saw this yesterday, John. You said this on Friday. San Francisco's defense, they've got some talented players, obviously. Chase Young and Bosa and um, Greenlaw. And all, but they, they're not that they're – They're not good. They're not that good. And they're not good. So I, I think that uh, – I, I think Kansas City played the tougher defense this weekend. So, um, Plus, I mean, they like playing zone defense and Mahomes picks apart zone defense. So, like, matchup-wise, like – it looks like Mahomes is going to get another one. It's how I feel right now. We'll, we'll see, you know, two weeks from now how I feel. But right now I'm thinking Mahomes is getting another one. How about the Lions just refusing to play zone defense yesterday? <laughs> I think they played man the entire game. I, I will talk about the Lions for a second, one more second. And I know he had a critical fumble that probably turned the game or helped turn the game. Jameer Gibbs is – pretty impressive that touchdown run he had I mean he's I I did not I, I did not see that coming when they drafted him I, I thought that was a questionable draft pick but probably not feeling great about it after the fumble yeah but yeah no he was he was really good in the playoffs for them the running back position you know the Chiefs drafted uh running back in the first round a couple years ago you know so you got a first round running back at least on the team and then, yeah, the 49ers invested heavily on the you know, Christian McCaffrey trade and then paying him. So the running back position, uh, maybe not going to get thrown to the side as as you know the last three teams have invested in that position a little bit. But True. Christian McCaffrey, speaking of which, kind of like the odds here of uh, plus 480 to win MVP. So mm. I feel like if the 49ers do win MVP or do win the, do win the Super Bowl, I would say Christian McCaffrey's probably going to be the reason why. He's going to have at least two touchdowns, I would say. I don't know. Patrick Mahomes plus 130. Brock Pur- Purdy plus 210. 
Did they put a total out yet? Yeah. Forty-seven and a half. Yeah, 47, forty-seven and a half. Which the Chiefs play low-scoring games, so I don't I don't know how I feel about that total. I would probably lean under, but it feels like a twenty-four twenty game. Got Calling your shot early. It just kind of feels like <laughs> one of those games. I, I don't know, you know, mark, exactly. mark that tape. Yeah, twenty-four twenty. It just feels like. I'd be surprised 24-21 if, if the either team got over 24 points. We'll talk some Tennessee hoops. The Dalton Connect Show visited the Mid-State on Saturday night. Stick with us. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Good morning, traffic-wise. We're still in pretty good shape right now. 40 east and west over the top. Dalton Connect and Tennessee basketball kept it rolling on Saturday. Kind of a rough start. Kind of a rough start. You're like, oh, no, Memorial Magic. Here we go. The team's going to struggle. No, no, no. The second half, Tennessee able to seize control. Dalton Connect's awesome in the second half. Bob, your takeaways. Um, Yeah, I I felt the same, you know, after mediocre first half, Vandy was shooting uncharacteristically well, um, and they were also taking the air out of the ball a little bit, trying to slow Tennessee down. Meanwhile, Tennessee's clanking free throw after free throw. Oh my God, yeah. And then, you know, of course, this is probably a little emotional, but it was, I think, it felt like almost a historically bad job by the officials. I mean, they were, they were terrible, and I mean... The, the epitome of that, never mind the calls, but Barnes is John with one of the officials, and the other official comes and tees him up. I mean, it, I, it, I that was that was giving me a bad feeling. I was like, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but it's still Vanderbilt. Oh, this team's different. So I felt at halftime, I was on the RTI thread with those guys, and we typically do that kind of like you know win or loss, and I was like, it's still going to be a win, and. Thankfully, Dalton Connect still happened, like he always does. and that's, He is inevitable. Yeah, it's incredible, man. 21 second half points by my count on my rewatch. He finishes with 32. He had 16 just from the 15-minute mark on. Really, like in a 13-minute stretch, a 12-minute stretch, he had 16 points where he just kind of put the team on his back. There was a couple of key moments, I thought, because, I mean, Vanderbilt hung around, hung around, hung around. There's a big Adu block that led to a Dalton Connect layup with 14 minutes left. And then there was a uh, the next, a couple possessions later, a Mayshack came up with a huge offensive rebound and then got it out to Connect for another three. That kind of jump-started Tennessee's 10-0 run that kind of put the game away. But Tennessee just made plays and Connect, like I said, just inevitable. 32 points. Great shooting night again, 13 of 21 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3. Buffalo's number's really good. Uh, 3 of 7 from the free throw line, not great. Not great. And shout out to Ron Slay for asking him about it after the game. I thought that was funny. Yeah. And Connect laughs and says, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure my dad's already blown up my phone about my free throws. So, you know, kind of it's nice to come out of a good game and still have some stuff to work on to keep you from getting too big-headed. So I think Tennessee – has a couple of those. Those were the positives, at least for me. The big standout every time is going to be Dalton Connect. Ganey with another solid game. Hit a big three. 
10 points. But I can't help but look at the starting lineup and see zero shot attempts. Or zero makes. Only two shot attempts from Josiah Jordan-James. Yeah. He's in his head. Bad. Yeah, he he did you know a couple little intangible things, but that's what we're left with now. You know, like there was one where he tipped a loose ball late in the game, which kept possession for us. And I, I mean, but that's what we're left with. We uh, that's not good. That's 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 pretty disappointing. Um, Vescovy, I thought played pretty well. Um, hit a couple key shots. He Vescovy was, was great. He was involved in. A really key play. I was surprised the refs swung the call our way, which was the uh, hook and hold call uh, that that really helped kind of change the complexion of the game. It was already changing, but that that really locked it in. Um, Connect. I got to share a quick quick story with uh, as I watch Connect. I always talk with my wife about this. I'm a dog person, and John, I know you're a dog person. I love my dog. My dog's 11 years old, and I'm starting to think about. Come on, my my dog's fourteen. I don't want to hear this. Yeah, like you I know, know where you're going. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. So, but that's my point. I'm having a little of that with Dalton Connect. You know, it's like as great as he is. It's like, and I I gotta enjoy it. I, I'm always saying this for all the people that are critical of the team, saying, "Oh, we'll wait till March." I always say, "Enjoy the here and now." That's what I got to do with Dalton. But I I got to admit, I got a little of that that remorse. Like, oh man, he's gonna be gone pretty soon. It's like, just enjoy what you got. It, well, I think I might be sadder about the idea of running out of time with Dalton Connect than I am. Uh, I had 14 years of Frank. I mean, it, yeah. it, we're, you know, we're, anything now is just house money. But, yeah, I think I'm more uh, sad that you're pointing out that we are, you know, basically past the halfway point with Dalton Connect. And I, I think he even had me in my feels on Saturdays. Like, I wish I had spent all my years here. Like, I love I love Vol Nation. I love Sam Vol Nation. Vol Nation, they're the best. They, they came to Nashville. They came to Georgia. They're everywhere. I love this school. I love my teammates. I love my coaches. And he's clearly – I don't know if any of you saw this picture on uh, – it's on RockyTopInsider.com, and our boy Ryan Shumpert's in the picture. Um, they're doing the interview with Connect. Do you see that? And, and it's all the players are there asking him questions too, you know, like Adu and Meshack. Adu's raising his hand like, I got a question. Um, this team's definitely uh, – Barnes calls it locked in, but I think they're – Anybody who was concerned, there was some chatter early, I think it was the North Carolina game, about that there might be some discord in the locker room. That may be true, and that does happen from some you know time to time, particularly when you're bringing two guys in at that point. It was him and Ganey that are shot takers, and they were taking a lot of them. Um, it feels like we're past that, right? Well, I was going to say, it does seem like you're now in the, the makeup sex portion of it where there might have been some beef, but now you're overcompensating and you got that glow for the next couple weeks or month where you're going to really try and therapy's working and you're doing all those things to really show like, hey, things are good now. Maybe we've turned a corner and yeah, like there could have been some jealousy. There could have been some of those things at the beginning, but you know, I don't understand how you could be on this team and not realize like, hey, this, this is our best path to doing something special is this guy's special. Totally agree. And, and Rick Barnes, you know, they had a quote from him where he said he was asked about these shots and the players and how they handled Dalton Connect. And there's like, actually, it, it turns them on. It fires them up whenever he gets going because, A, it's fun to watch. This is me ad-libbing now. But, A, it's fun to watch. And, B, like, you know, whenever he goes on those streaks, the team starts running away from opponents and winning games. And I, I think the players would have to be bought into that. We were ta- the three of us were texting back and forth, and uh, I think Sam, you said that you thought there was a play where you thought Connect was going to baptize somebody. <laughs> oh yeah. And but yeah. my point in that is he, 
it's like I see something new with him every game that blows my mind. Like that play, I was thinking the same thing. Like, God, he's going to try to throw this down. But then he couldn't because the defender kind of spaced it properly. But then he did something else. You know, his his use of his left hand and, and you know, and his right hand, just depending upon the situation, it's a joy to watch, man. It's it's incredible. It's like I said, I see something different from him every game that that kind of amazes me. Sam, your thoughts from Tennessee's win over Vanderbilt, seventy-five to sixty-two. Tough break if you laid the thirteen and a half or fourteen points with Tennessee as Vanderbilt got a late layup to uh, cover. And then Dalton Connect almost hit one of his nastiest shots. He, he tried to get it for you on a contested three. It rimmed out. But, yeah, condolences there if you had the if you laid the points. Sam, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, that was on my mind, the points. Uh, that, that was a tough one for me. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's obviously a, an unbelievable performance from Connect. He's been, you know, obviously he's, he's dropping 30-plus in just about every single SEC game it, it feels now, and he's doing it efficiently. Um you know, to me, I think outside of that, I think that Jordan Ganey's uh, production here in the last couple of games is something that you've got to feel really, really good about if you're Tennessee. I think that's a, a guy that is going to be really important for this team come March. I think that you're going to need uh, minutes and production from him off the bench come March. And I think that that's a guy that is starting to kind of get comfortable, I think, with his role and kind of getting his feet back under him after a, a rough patch there at the start of the season or kind of in the middle half, I guess. A little bit there um and yeah and I think Santi as well and John you brought it up that, that you didn't get anything out of Josiah I feel like that's kind of the the last infinity stone almost for this team to to really go to that elite level and that you know like final four national championship aspirations if you can just get a little bit more production out of a guy like that six or eight points or something like that I think this turns into an elite team yeah I just want like I'll even take just six points from Josiah, or maybe maybe the key is just to get like 18 combined between him and Vescovy. Mm-hmm. 15 combined. I mean, you couldn't even get 15 combined, and, and Santi gave you 12. Like, Santi's game, to me, that's a perfect stat line for him. Yeah. Yep. I, I thought that's exactly where I want him. You hit a couple threes. You dish out a couple of assists. You grab some rebounds. You help there. Like, Tennessee had a team effort of rebounding, so – I thought that was nice, but yeah, I mean, 12 points, five rebounds, two assists to me, hit two threes. That's, that's a perfect Santi game at this point. He's he's a sneaky good rebounder yeah, for a no, guard, he's, right? He, he's really good at sneaking in there and getting those getting those boards. Yeah. Tennessee did that kind of as a, a team effort, you know. Uh, you had Connect with six, Zakai with four, Vescovy with five, James with four. So, like, everyone in the starting lineup, you know, kind of – Chipping in there. I just I keep coming back to this picture though, Bob. Look at this picture. I know we're not on video, so you guys can't see it, but just look at this picture. And and what do you think happens here on this play? This is a dot connect beating a double team to drop it off to Josiah on the block. Oh, I saw no. That needs to be a layup. That's right? a layup or a dunk or get yeah. fouled. You have a step and a guy closing down from I the know. the middle of the key, and instead it was Josiah kicking the ball out to the top of the key. To Jonas Adu. It's yeah. one thing if you're kicking out to a wide open Vescovy. It's another thing if you're kicking out to a wide open Connect. <laughs> but I'm kicking it out to the top of the key to our center. Our center, like to me, that that's yeah. That was that that was my first thought. Is like okay, it's in his head. That's that's uh, because we've seen that earlier in the season too, where 
where Triple J would he would dunk that. I mean, some, he was aggressive earlier the season. Right, the rim. It's like right. it finally clicked. Like, hey, I can actually dribble and dunk. He did it twice in the Illinois game. I mean, it was uh, it was great. Uh, it was great to see. But yeah, I that I saw that same play. I couldn't believe it. I was like, come on, man, you're six seven. What is what is that? If you're playing 30 minutes a game, we need you to shoot it more than twice. You yeah. Know? Yeah. The minutes right. distribution, he was able to, to double up Meshack. So the idea of Meshack taking his minutes did not uh, come to fruition on on Saturday, as it was a heavy starter minutes game. Maybe because of uh, you know the struggles, and then when you did go on the run, you didn't really switch up the lineup. I even I actually didn't make any notes of who was in the game, what lineup was in the game whenever Tennessee went on their big run, but. Yeah, I need, I need Josiah to be a little bit more aggressive, but other than that, it's not really anything to nitpick. I thought Tennessee played a pretty good second half. He only gave you five minutes, but I thought J.P. Estrella played really solid in his time, and I think that's a guy who's also kind of getting comfortable a little bit with I that. Agree. You know, a, another big man that's coming off the bench, I think that'll be big in terms of kind of just rotational depth pieces come March. And he's kind of fun to watch, too, during timeouts. He's yeah. one of the first people on the court. He has a good time. He has a really so good like time I, out there. He'll, be, he'll leave Tennessee a fan favorite, oh, yeah. I, I think, the the longer he is here. but The uh, the minutes situation we've been talking about for a couple of weeks where we were seeing kind of a trend for more minutes for DeLeon and maybe a little less for Ganey. Now that Ganey's hitting shots, that's changing again. Yeah. Ganey 15, DeLeon only one. So, yeah, yeah. that's Ganey holding him off and kind of reestablishing himself in the rotation. And I know a lot of people make the Tyreek Key connection or comparison, but I'm hoping he's more of 2014 Antonio Barton, who got off to a pretty good start after transferring from Memphis, went through a bad slump, but then was a key part of Tennessee making that Sweet 16, and he was pretty good, you know, the final month of the season. So Ganey, of course, not in the final month of the season, but does seem to be kind of rounding back into that form. So hopefully he's not Tyreek Key. Hopefully he's more of an Antonio Barton. We'll talk with Rocky Top Insiders Ryan Shumpert coming up after the break. We'll talk some more Vol Hoops. Stick with us. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Good morning there on the scene of an accident in Pillowsby Parkway going westbound right there in North Shore. It's got traffic really backed up now coming in from Blount County there into that section of Knox County on Pillowsby Parkway again going westbound just before you get up to North Shore. Still heavy through downtown I-40 east and west there at 275. Buckner Plumbing in Knoxville is hiring. Call 237-9646. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No. All right, let's hit the phone lines. It's time to read and react with Ryan Schumpert from Rocky Top Insider. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Hope you're well. Appreciate you guys having me on. Hope you're all having a good Monday. As we get here towards the end of January and Tennessee has played their 19th game, I'm curious. Are you immune to the greatness of Dalton Connect? Are you? Is it just now something that you're used to watching? Or does it still blow your mind that Tennessee has a player as good at scoring the basketball as he is? 
it still blows my mind. And I think that, you know, De- December little cold stretch he had probably helped with that. But even then, you know, he was playing great early in the season. But besides North Carolina, it was a lot of mid-20s, just really good performances. And for him to roll out the way he started SEC play um, and just so easeless, you know, carelessly score, just how, how easy it seems to come to him. And, you know, just getting to the basket with both hands, both sides, finishing at different angles. It, he just makes everything look so routine. Um, it's starting to get hard to write about and finding different ways to describe his greatness and, and talk about how well he's playing. That part's maybe getting a little bit hard. Um, but certainly not immune to it at this point. It's, it feels like a blessing every time you get to watch him. Here you go, Ryan. As a professional, here's some advice. you got to up the stakes, okay, because first couple of games I watched, I was beating the drum SEC Player of the Year. Okay, then we graduated to best Tennessee offensive player since Allen Houston, to which now on Saturday I had to climb the best SEC player since Anthony Davis. So you just got to keep raising the stakes and, and praising his greatness. There. I think that's smart, John, and you're actually is an idea I had for a story this week, and I think I'm going to write it after the South Carolina game. Of you know, obviously Zach Eady's been the the long shot favorite uh, to win the National Player of the Year after winning it last year, and obviously he's so consistent in his size. But it, Saturday feels like the chance. You know, if Dalton Dalton Connects played so well, I think he's made it where he's at least starting to become in the consideration a little bit. At least people are turning to him as that next guy. If he can go out and do in Lexington on Saturday what he's done really every other road game this season and Tennessee can win on the road, I think all of a sudden you're going to see a guy that's going to be you know, really making himself in the conversation for National Player of the Year. 31.4 points per game, 5.4 rebounds per game, shooting 47% from three and 62% from the field. Those are Dalton Connect's five true road games. With that being said, Ryan, Whenever you said that you have that story idea, there was a part of me that recoiled because you're setting yourself up for some real hate if you write that story and then he goes to Rupp Arena and doesn't play to that standard. Yeah, certainly. And obviously, uh, Antonio Reeves, the season he's had, I know Kentucky fans and maybe some national media members you know, this weekend were kind of quick to, to downplay Dalton's success in the uh, hopes of raising up Reeves. So you're right, I'm especially setting myself up for failure if Reeves has a big game and, and Dalton Connect doesn't. And I think, you know, you you kind of feel guarded against that, especially look at how poorly things have gone for Tennessee the last two years in Rupp, really getting run out of the gym two years ago. And last year it wasn't the final score wasn't quite as bad, but it felt like that game was over eight minutes into the game. But it feels like every big game Dalton Connect, you know, he answers the call, and certainly he's been even better on the road and even better in the most hostile environment. So uh, I think you're always a little prone to – to look out for that, to look out for the, you know, to let down, and, and obviously that, that remains true. But, man, it, it just feels like if anybody's the one that's going to keep raising the stakes and keep answering the bell or connects the guy. Hey, Ryan, uh, we were talking about this before this segment, the, uh, the picture on the uh, RTI website that you're in. You're front and center there, by the way, with uh, everybody huddled around Dalton um, doing the postgame presser with him after the – the Vandy game and all the players are there and it just it's a great picture it just makes you smile without even reading the story or watching the video my question to you is how's Dalton doing in this moment based on your time talking to him I mean it, does does it feel like he's 
you know, it, it just seems to me we're seeing it on the floor. It doesn't feel like the moment's too big. Um, how's he doing it in just in terms of interacting? I, I would say also in this picture what I love, too, is just seeing all the teammates there. That just shows that, that this, this, this bunch is in sync right now, it feels like. And, you know, I, I try not to be overdramatic with this, but he really feels like the perfect superstar in the sense that on the court, he wants he wants the moment. It never feels too big for him. You know, he likes when the stakes are higher. And then off the court, you know, he, he enjoys it. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He's enjoyed being playing in a 20,000-seat arena and being the guy on a big college campus. And how could you not after the journey he's had? Uh, and, you know, you know, Thornton, Colorado, that's not exactly a – a basketball hotbed. So, you know, it's, it's just at no point in his basketball life has it been anything like this. But at the same time, it, it doesn't feel like he's gotten a big head. He feels, again, I could not be seeing all of it, but it seems like he's very humble. Uh, when you talk to him in press settings or one-on-one, you know, he's always more prone to talk about his teammates or he's going to talk a lot more about his, in a lot more detail about his teammates and about what he wants to do or about what he does. Uh, so in that sense, you know, you can see his teammates really embrace him. It doesn't feel like he's gotten too arrogant, at least off the court. And, you know, it, what I think the Tennessee basketball account, you know, tweeted out all the kids that were down there in the corner after the game and he was signing autographs and we were kind of waiting on him to do media because he was out there taking pictures and signing autographs. That's been a common theme. I, I think after the Alabama game, uh, at home games, you know, it's usually a while after we do media uh, or after the game before we do media with Barnes and players. So, it, you know, it's probably an over an hour after the game and we got done with all that stuff and you walk back back on the court and he's still out there signing autographs and talking to kids and stuff. So, uh, again, kind of just to reiterate what I said earlier, it really feels like he's the the perfect superstar uh, and loving the moment on the court and enjoying it off the court but not not getting the big head about it. I mean, he he couldn't have said it better, too. I mean, for the fan base to just love him even more, you know, that quote that – I know you heard it. Uh, I love Tennessee. I wish I had played all my college years here because I love it here. Love Vol Nation. I love my teammates. I love my coaching staff. I love Vol Nation. A lot of love. But, I mean, talk about somebody who's also trying to say, you know, he knows he's special, but it's also like, man, it's not just about this. This is an amazing experience for me because of this program and this fan base. That's, uh, uh, I mean, he's he's creating legend just by – the way he's carrying himself. I mean, he has a chance to put himself in a, a lot of people's top three or four Tennessee basketball players of all time. Now, I mean, I, I, I know there will be some older people who push back and say, hey, not everything that's the most recent is the best. But for my generation and people even younger than me, like he might be their favorite player after one year. And like that, that those are the stakes he's playing with. I'm looking at a NBA draft.net's most recent NBA mock draft. He's risen all the way at number six in terms of where they're projecting him to go. We've talked a lot about Dalton Connect and with good reason. Ryan, what was the second biggest storyline coming out of the Vanderbilt game? I think it's probably Jordan Ganey, again, starting to find his rhythm and hitting some big shots for Tennessee. You know, I think Rick Barnes called the the one he hit eh, maybe five or six minutes into the second half, one of the big turning points in the game as they kind of started to find some separation and uh, again, this team, you know, it's, it's so much easier when you have a guy like Dalton Connect. And I've seen some people, really less Tennessee fans, but more national people or just more vague college basketball fans, be like, well, Tennessee's just really, they're really Dalton Connect dependent. Well, you know, after watching them closely with this main core for the last couple of years, it's like they didn't have a guy. And now they do have a guy, and all these guys can play perfectly into their role. Uh, and I think you continue to see that, what, 
Santiago Vescovi did, I thought, had one of his better games, starting to shoot the ball better, um, playing with a little bit more consistent. I thought probably those two guys were the two. Ganey and Vescovi were the two I pointed to as being probably the biggest in that win besides Connect, who, uh, again, was obviously the best player. So for how poorly Ganey was playing to start SEC play, for him to have a second straight big game, I thought that was huge. For Vescovi just to see some shots go down, I feel, I feel like the whole year, for the most part, uh, a couple game stretches where he probably hasn't played very well, but it's just been the shooting, and a lot of it he just takes a lot less shots, so he's not going to put up the numbers that he did last year. Um, but uh, for Tennessee, to, they've been a pretty right at the median nationally as a three-point shooting team this year. It feels like if the offense is going to find another gear, it's going to be some guys getting hot, and Tennessee starting to shoot you know, in the upper 30s instead of the kind of low to mid-30s from the perimeter. Uh, that's how they, they get even better and they become even more potent. So those two guys playing well against Vanderbilt, shooting the ball well from the perimeter, uh, I certainly thought was a good sign. That's so stupid. <laughs> That's so stupid. The take away your best player and your team's not very good. Like, it's basketball. You can say this about every championship team at every level. And this isn't Hoosiers, which, by the way, I maintain they still had Jimmy Chitwood with the ball at the end of the game. Take away Jimmy Chitwood and the Hoosiers would have lost the state championship. You can say that about Michael Jordan's Bulls, about Kobe's Lakers, about LeBron in every game. Like, every every Steph Curry, every team that wins, you can say take away their best player and Willie wouldn't be that good. Well, you got a best player for a reason. A hundred percent. And one person that I was having the conversation with, and they were kind of asking me about it, and I was like, yeah, you know, Dalton struggles after the first weekend, you know, they'll probably struggle to win. I think they could probably survive some games in the opening weekend if he struggled. It's like, this is exactly to your point. What team in the country, if their best offensive player played bad in the Sweet 16 and in the Elite Eight, would not be in a lot of trouble? I mean, that's that's the nature of college basketball and how random it could be, and, and really basketball as a whole. So, you're right. It's, uh, I've seen some Kentucky fans saying it, too. It's just the kind of the hypocrisy of what you said of it not really mattering, it's five people on the court. You know, it's the one sport where one guy can truly raise your team's ceiling so, so much, and then just comparing it to the last couple of years when that's really, truly been the one thing that Tennessee's missing. And now you return all these guys that were good, not great players, uh, and now they can be even better just in their roles and not having to do too much. It's, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, it's so rich coming from Kentucky fans, too, by the way. Like, like yeah. John Calipari hasn't hey, said, hey, hey, here, John Wall, here's the ball, go do something. Hey, Derrick Rose, can you carry us? Like, Kentucky and John Calipari has been doing this for a long time, so to watch them complain that now someone has a better go-to player is rich. The only the only fan base I'll listen to is Auburn because Bruce has been too dumb to give his best player the ball. Like, we had to watch Jabari Smith yield to Katie Johnson shooting ball <laughs> instead of feeding him. So that's the only fan base I'll listen to. Hey, Ryan. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. Go. I was going to say, did y'all see, Bruce had the quote, I think it was after the game on Saturday, it was like, you know, some of our guys need to need to realize when they're not shooting well, they don't need to shoot it. And it was just an incredible incredible quote from Bruce after the way he's he's coached those guys and kind of building like enabling Katie Johnson and, and Wendell Green, who I know is not there anymore, to, to do that fully the last few years. Um, so there, I want to talk about a player who I feel is really critical to the team but has kind of fallen off the radar um, I'd love to get your take on this because I think it's going to be it's a it's a factor when we get near March, um, and that is I'm looking at Tobey Awaka's minutes over the last four games against Georgia, seven minutes, Florida, seventeen, and then five minutes against Alabama and Vanderbilt, 
And are you getting any sort of read? I mean, one thing we've watched with him is he's um, he draws fouls quickly, which it's a byproduct of how he plays and the aggressiveness he brings. But man, do we need that guy to be able to play at least, you know, and by my my measure, ten to twelve minutes a game. That would be that would be optimal, and particularly going into tournament time. I'm just curious what your take is on what's going on with him right now. He's probably the one guy that I'd point to is really struggling right now, and and you're right. They need they need more from him, and I think it really just it starts and ends with the fouling, and some of it is the nature of how he plays, and you know he's picking up some of these fouls going after rebounds. But I think you live with those. To me, it's just the over aggressiveness on defense, and not when guys get into his chest and him not playing straight up or, or not as much reaching, but just being too aggressive trying to block shots or playing over the top of guys. He's just picking up. Too many, you know, sometimes there maybe you can get away with them in college basketball, but when you watch it, it's just like, yeah, that's going to look like a foul nine times out of ten to officials. So that's the thing I really look at to me is the biggest thing um, is playing defense without fouling more than even just picking up the fouls. But they need more from him, and I think you offensively, you know, sometimes I think him being in the right spot and less knowing what to do and more just spacing the court uh, when things kind of break down into that iso ball or pick and roll at the end of, end of possessions is what I'd point to. But, you know, they certainly need more from him. You know, I, I have confidence that it is just a rut and he'll be able to get back to what you said, maybe 10 minutes a game of playing pretty solid. I don't think the ceiling is going to be super high for him this season. But, you know, I think on the positive note or, or flip side of that, you got to give some credit to, to J.P. Estrella, who is, again, not playing big minutes but continues to get – some first half run and playing five or six minutes in these games. And uh, again, isn't a star, isn't great, but is continuing to look more and more comfortable out there and giving them another option when a walk of struggles. And then certainly we're going to see some games or Tennessee hopes they get deep into the tournament where they play some teams with some real elite big men scores. And in those games, we've kind of seen in Tennessee's four losses this year, uh, they're going to need a third big man to, to give them some minutes and give them some fouls. And so let's also, and of course the minutes have not been abundant for this guy, but it's not lost on me to see uh, Freddie DeLeon had only one minute the other night against Vandy, and is that is just as simple as, uh, they're different players, but just as simple as Ganey's producing now, and so he's going to get the, the share of the minutes off the bench at, at a guard spot. Uh, what are your thoughts there? I think that's probably a part of it, but I don't. I don't really think it's just as simple as that because I think really more you've seen Freddie get those first half minutes when Zakai's on the bench. So I think it's more about that. And I think he got one minute the other night because he had a really bad turnover. I mean, he, he picks up the ball in the corner right across half court, gets trapped and, and traveled, and Rick Barnes is running down to the baseline where the bench is Memorial Gymnasium to, to get him out of the game. So I think that's what it was more about uh, on Saturday, um, and certainly. Freddie had gotten a little bit of run as as the off off ball guard when Ganey was struggling, but uh, I think it's you're continuing to get his ideal role is to get those minutes off the bench for Zakai, whatever that's going to be, three to five minutes in the first half, and if he plays well, maybe he gets a couple minutes in the second half too. Um, so really, uh, I think those guys can uh, still they can both play minutes, they can both come off the bench and help this team, and really they don't overstep too too much and i think saturday night was more about freddie struggling and the one minute he was in there ryan shumpert rockytopinsider.com appreciate your time 
So what are all you working on this week? You're going to maybe potentially jinx Dalton Connect and make everyone hate you, and what are the other <laughs> things you're working on? <laughs> yeah, we'll have plenty of basketball stuff, getting ready for tomorrow night against South Carolina, and obviously have coverage from that game, looking at things uh, headed into Kentucky on Saturday, and then probably a little bit more football stuff, and slowly and slowly and surely getting closer to baseball season, so I'm sure we'll have some more of that. So we're starting to get into that crossover season, and obviously – Football really never never stops in these parts. So, uh, plenty of stuff on all three big sports over at RTI this week. Yeah, how many days away are we from baseball now? We're within like thirty, right? We're down to like low twenties. Low twenties. Yeah, we're now we're down to the teens now. It would Friday would have been twenty one. So, okay. what well, that makes it eight eighteen days now. Less okay. less than three weeks away from them opening up the season. Ryan Schumpert, appreciate your time. This is one of my favorite segments of the week. Love having you on. Talk to you next week. Appreciate the kind words. Appreciate you guys having me on. Y'all have a good week. Talk to you again on Monday. Thank you, buddy. Yes, sir. RockyTopInsider.com. I'll just ride to the end of the hour here. No sense in catching a break and coming back and doing a sports animal two-minute segment. We won't do that to you here. We'll just ride on out. Uh, Sam, you've been quiet during that uh, during that interview. Anything Ryan said stand out to you? Any thoughts on anything we've said that you want to add to? Um, no, I mean, I, I think I heard a lot about you know, from Ryan that I kind of took away from that game uh, this weekend. You know, I mean, I think he mentioned, you know, obviously Santi and, and Ganey kind of having those big minutes. I think that is, is something that's really going to be important to this team. I think that obviously you've got a, a dynamic score and connect that's going to that's gonna give you that those minutes and, and, and those points just about every single night. And, and obviously uh, Adu has become a big that's, that's given you that – you know that that push as well and I think Ziegler is going to give you that as well so I think that it kind of just comes down to a couple of those guys uh after that in terms of just you know that next step I think and you know you can get you can win most games with those three guys and I think if you can just get production out of a Ganey and one of the two of of Santi and Josiah James I I think that you got to feel pretty good about this team going pretty far yeah to to your point it, it does feel you know kind of Ryan's point it does feel like this team does have to have uh, at least 23, 24 points from Dalton Connect, though, which, I mean, he does make it look easy and can get there. But that's kind of the standard that he has set, and it's also kind of, at this point, the way the team is shaped, you're almost going to have to have it, right? Like, if he doesn't have a monster game or or have a at least a solid game, then Tennessee's going to be in real trouble, and, you know, Pretty much throughout the entire history of watching Tennessee basketball, a single player scoring 23 or 24 points was considered a monster game. Like, that was considered big time. Now that's kind of the, the bare minimum that he's going to be able to get by with. And against most opponents, you know, against your old misses and some of those other teams, you know, you'll be able to not do that. But against Kentucky on Saturday night, maybe even against South Carolina on Tuesday, like, he's going to have to score in at least the low 20s to give you a chance to win. Something I was thinking about, uh, I was checking out social media on Saturday, and there was, and it was off the heels of Connect just balling out again, um, it, which is like, so wonderful to see as a Tennessee fan. But there's this whole debate of, you know, crown him now. This is your national player of the year. And, of course, there's the whole conventional wisdom of, you know, it's, it's Zach Eady. And hear me out. Here's my point on this is everybody's saying it's just because Edie's tall and, you know, nobody said a circus freak like somebody that's sitting next to me. But You forgot big in front of it, big, big circus freak. Big circus freak. Yeah. Um, 
But but what it led me to wonder was carnival character. If what if Connect? What kind of I I would argue that if Connect was say six ten, he would be getting compared to like NBA greats in my opinion. I I really think the height thing is sometimes a I think it's overblown, but b I think that it, it would actually benefit him in this kind of conversation even more. Well, that, that's where people come and say he's more skilled and a better basketball right. player. But, like, if he was 6'8", six, 6'9", six, 6'10", six, you would have the Kevin Durant comparison. Right. I mean, you already kind of make those. And it would almost feel – because, I mean, maybe it, we're guilty of that from the other side in terms of, yeah, sure, we downplay Edie because he's so big. And the fact that the refs never call three seconds and he just gets to stand right under the goal for, you know, minutes at a time and lay it in because, again, they don't call three seconds and officiate him fairly. But <laughs> – um, you know, Brandon Miller kind of suffered from that a little bit. Brandon Miller just looked like an NBA player, you know, as a freshman. And he he's the guy that, you know, has been the best SEC player in recent memory. And you still maybe took him for granted just because you knew, like, hey, that's an NBA prospect. Like, that's not necessarily your quote-unquote college player. And I do think Connect also benefits from being a little bit shorter, not being a number one, number two overall pick, and also being a four- or five-year guy that has had to be a college player and has had to develop. And he, I think he gets the benefit of that, as well as not being a big, gangly circus freak. He he plays bigger than 6'6", six, six, in my opinion. I, I think that... Well, when you can jump 38, yeah. 40 inches in the air, at least it feels like on his drives, like it, it does yeah. make you taller because he does not finish at the rim like a 6'6 six, six player. He finishes at the rim like a 6'8", six, 6'9 six, player because he is elevating over people. So I, I do think he... He, he does probably benefit as well from even – it was funny listening to Dari Noka and Ron Slay and them reference it. But it was like, you know, you hear the cliche, but it's true. Like, he does have sneaky athleticism. Like, he's the best athlete on the floor, and you don't think it. And they did everything but stop short of saying, you know, he's it's because he's white. He doesn't look like he could come and, and pipe on you. I think Ron called him Opie Taylor. But, I mean, like, it's, it's true. Like, I do think he benefits also from that. And, and like, it – the degree of difficulty seems higher for him to get his points than it does Zach Eady, who gets, again, to just stand right under the rim, three-second call, be damned, Bob. I just want to make sure you understand that they don't call three seconds on Zach Eady. Oh, I don't know about that. but Or throwing elbows whenever he pivots. He's able just to kind of clear out every time and lay it in. But That's all they did yesterday. It was It was actually kind of – it's kind of tough to watch after a while. I mean, they just – even as a – you know, somebody who – grew up a Purdue fan they just pack it down to him and if you're Rutgers Rutgers had an interesting game plan but it just eventually didn't work you know that's it's uh I I just I I did think about that though over the weekend it's like it it, I'd I'd love it wouldn't bother me at all to see connect get national player of the year by the way you hear that Sam we went from I would love to it wouldn't bother me at all. He couldn't bring himself to say he would love to see it because he's still rooting for Zach Eady to go back to back. No, he no, stopped no. short. He was about to say I would love it, and then he's like I wouldn't mind at all. <laughs> Jordan Moore tweeted that in 99 career games, Zach Eady has made a total of seven field goals from 10 plus feet, <laughs> and in the last three games, Dalton Connect has made 13 field goals from 10 plus feet. You know how about this? Uh, imagine, imagine if Zach Eady was six six and Dalton Connect was seven three. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, in that okay, in that argument, you'd be saying Jimmer Fredette should be National Player of the Year over Zach Eady because he shoots more from the outside. I, I, I don't. Jimmer Fredette was better in college. <laughs> Jimmer Fredette was very talented. Did he, uh, win, national, did he win national player of the year? I think his, he won. Year? I think he, he might have. To, yeah. yeah, he was the biggest Jimmer. thing in basketball. Yeah, he won the Wooden Award. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, I, I would say that. <laughs> yeah, the the year that he averaged twenty nine points a game and shot thirty nine point six percent from three, pretty damn good. Entirely different games, man. That's my point. It's one like, skilled, one just a big circus freak that gets to stand. It's like playing basketball against your dad. Your dad <laughs> might not be more talented than you, but whenever you're five foot and he's six foot, you're, you're at a you're at a disadvantage. Hour two in the books. We'll kick off hour three. We'll continue the conversation with Tennessee basketball, I assume. I'll, I'll go through our notes to see if we get anything better. But there are still some – I think there's some meat here on the bone for Dalton connecting the Vols. Stick with us. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio.